Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hey everyone, it's Reset host Sasha Ann Simons. Brandon Johnson presented the city council with his first budget proposal as mayor of Chicago. And from the migrant crisis to a $538 million budget gap, there was a lot to address. Here on the podcast feed, we wanted to make sure that you had a chance to listen to that speech uninterrupted. Here's Mayor Johnson. Good morning, and thank you all for being here today. During my campaign for mayor, I spoke about the challenging fiscal reality of our city and my vision for investing in people and community. The budget that I am releasing today reflects those challenges and our opportunity to begin the critical investments that are necessary to build a better, stronger, more safer Chicago. As we begin this work, I am thinking about my own family, especially my father, a pastor, a union laborer, raising 10 children and taking in foster children, working multiple jobs to keep us fed and sheltered. It is families like mine that I want to uplift with this budget. Families that I served as a teacher in Cabrini Green, USA. Families that stood alongside of me when we fought to keep public schools and mental health clinics open. Families that have been driven out of Chicago over the last decade by budgets that underinvested in their communities while overtaxing their households with regressive property taxes. And I made a commitment to invest in people without balancing this budget on the backs of working families. And that is why I'm proud that this budget makes strategic investments in people and communities without raising base property taxes. It is a promise that I have made as a candidate and one that I'm keeping as mayor. This budget and multiple budgets to come, it's the people's budget. Investing in people is at the heart of this budget and my administration because I, like so many Chicagoans, know what disinvestment looks and feels like. Many of you know that my wife and I are raising our three children in Austin on the west side. We love our community. We are proud to embrace its unique spirit each and every day. But we know that communities on the south and west sides, like Austin, deserve better. And too many communities in our city are shackled by disinvestment and a lack of opportunity and basic amenities. But the good news today is this is the city of Chicago. And here, anything is possible. More than 100 years ago, When the Chicago River flowed into Lake Michigan, contaminating the drinking water and jeopardizing, jeopardizing the health and safety of Chicago residents, this city committed to a monumental feat of engineering and ingenuity and rerouted its mighty waters. If we can do that, then we can certainly reroute the rivers of prosperity to the banks of disinvestment. In the song Liquid Spirit by Gregory Porter, He says, the people are thirsty because of man's own natural hand. Watch what happens when the people catch wind, when the water hits the banks of that hard, dry land. Now, it will take time, but we are going to see, Chicago, what happens 
when water hits that dry land. With each investment in our neighborhoods and our people, what I like to call the soul of Chicago, we are going to witness our city's great potential. We will ensure that every resident of this city can thrive in peace and prosperity, connected to all the resources they need to confidently say that we all know this to be true, that this is the greatest freaking city in the world, the city of Chicago. What I present here today is, is just our first step towards a better, stronger, safer Chicago. While building this budget, we had to confront the fiscal headwinds that we inherited, a $538 million structural deficit driven by rising labor expenses, dwindling COVID era federal funding, and an unprecedented escalating wave of migration that our city has never budgeted for before. We also had to confront decades of decisions and indecision that quite frankly left too many of our communities and working families behind. Leadership means telling people the truth. That is what has been missing in Chicago. Administrations have refused to be honest about the true cost of excessive property tax and fee increases, evading pension obligations year after year, and underinvesting in our people, who are our city's greatest asset. But I campaigned on ending the politics of old and presenting Chicago residents an honest and transparent budget. That is what our city needs and deserves. And that is what we have done. Since releasing the budget forecast, my budget team and department heads have been hard at work developing a plan that not only closes the budget gap, but makes strategic investments in people and communities, especially those who have experienced historic disinvestment. We sought to do this through structural solutions without an over-reliance on one-time revenue. And I'm proud to say that today, we present a balanced budget of $16.6 billion. And how do we do this? We prioritize $253 million in expenditure savings consisting of operational savings that do not cut service provisions, but focus on efficiencies and service delivery. Savings derived from better management of healthcare costs and savings from strategic bond refinance. This balanced budget also includes improved revenue projections of $321 million consisting of higher revenue projections based on improved economic forecasts for key taxes, increased TIF surplus collection, and the strategic use of the city's fund balance. Again, I want to underscore that we balance this budget without increasing the city's base property tax. I was elected to end this government's addiction to the regressive taxation that has pushed working families to the brink, and that begins today. One top of mind issue that we are responding to in the moment is the wave of new arrivals who coming to Chicago seeking a better life in our country. More than 400 buses of asylum seekers have been sent to Chicago from the border since January of 2023. Of those, more than 300, roughly 75% have been sent since the weekend before I was inaugurated. And currently more than 11,000 asylum seekers are in shelters 
under the city's care with nearly 4,000 at our police districts and airports waiting placement. Asylum seekers are fleeing countries destabilized for years by dangerous foreign policy. They see this nation and our city as a beacon of hope, like so many immigrants before. And Chicago is a place strong enough to welcome and embrace newcomers while honoring our commitments to those who are already here, especially residents of communities that have long suffered from neglect and disinvestment. I'm gonna be perfectly clear. What current residents need and deserve from our city is not the same as what new arrivals need in this moment. But we must meet all demands if we truly love all people. I am fully committed to doing just that in the coming months and years ahead. You elected a mayor who loves people. Well done, Chicago. Let me also be very clear about why these buses are coming to our city at such a rapid rate. The situation was created by right-wing extremists threatened by our values, and they're bent on sowing chaos and division in our city. But I don't flinch in the face of challenges, and neither does the city of Chicago. Since the first bus arrived over a year ago, we have upheld those, value, those values to welcome individuals and families seeking asylum. And I want to express my deep personal gratitude to the city's staff, our mutual aid partners and volunteers and Chicago residents and communities that have dedicated this effort for this past year. This budget, this budget, this budget supports increased staffing within the Department of Family and Support Services and the Office of Emergency Management and Communications to manage the network of migrant shelters and to support transition to self-sufficiency. And after inheriting an expensive emergency contract, multiple expensive contracts, my administration is also finding ways to both expand space and lower the costs by renegotiating staffing and food contracts and contracting and hiring Chicagoans and Chicago businesses to provide the critical services. With the temporary protected status that's extended to Venezuelans, we are also ramping up our work authorization to enable new arrivals to work and seek pathways out of shelters. And as our city meets the moment, we continue to call upon the state of Illinois and the federal government to provide greater coordination and collaboration and resources dedicated to this issue. Now, how we support those who seek refuge in our country and in our city, it speaks to our values. But make no mistake, this is not just our issue. It is a state issue, a national issue, a global issue. But because we are the city of Chicago, we will continue to do our part. And we call upon all of our partners to do theirs. Now, supporting this humanitarian endeavor and investing in our residents. It's not an either or. We can do both and we will. To ensure we base the development of this budget on the principles of co-governance. My administration lengthened our community engagement process 
so that we can get the ideas from everyone, hear from a broad group of stakeholders. And throughout this process, my administration held four budget engagement meetings in communities across the city, including for the first time ever, a budget summit with more than 350 young people collecting their ideas and hearing directly from them. In fact, we collected thousands of comments and responses and surveys from residents. We met with hundreds of community and issue-based advocates, and we listened to Chicago City Council caucus leaders chairpersons and alderpersons to better understand the critical priorities of their communities. This process has been informed by people because we know that to truly make transformative investments in people, we must do so with people. And that's what this budget does. The 2024 budget is a down payment on this administration's priorities to empower people and especially young people through economic and employment opportunities. Because our youth, our youth are our city's present and future. The scripture says, where your treasure is, so will your heart be also. And our heart remains with our treasure, our children. My administration will invest in young people because they are the ones who will lead us to a better, stronger, safer Chicago. As a former teacher and father of three, for me, there is no other way. We know that 59% of the workforce population under the age of 25 in this city is made up of workers of color. And we also know that unemployment among young Chicagoans, particularly our young black women, rose during the pandemic and is still lagging behind in the pandemic rebound. But to address this, on my first day in office, I signed an executive order charging the budget director to evaluate all available resources within the year's budget to reallocate to existing city funded youth development or youth employment and enrichment programs, to support additional summer positions as well as year round employment opportunities. And within weeks of taking office and in collaboration with our sister agencies, community organizations, the business community, we were able to increase the number of youth summer employment by 4,000 jobs, filling nearly 25,000 positions over the summer and increase of 20% from the previous summer, but we know that's not enough. We know that's not enough because more than 46,000 young people applied for our summer programs this year. So here's what we're doing. We're dedicating more than $76 million towards youth jobs and programming in the budget, which will fund nearly 4,000 additional youth employment opportunities with the target of providing more than 28,000 opportunities for young people this summer. That's in this budget. And this is, this is how we begin to make transformative change in the lives of our young people. Change that we will build on in future budgets. Our investments, however, are not only in youth employment opportunities, but employment opportunities for all Chicagoans. And that is why last week, the city council passed the historic one fair wage legislation that finally ends sub-minimum wage for tip workers in an industry that black women are overwhelmingly impacted by. The city council gave black women a raise. Now, as we work to implement one fair wage and other legislation that upholds the rights and protections of Chicago's workers, 
We are investing in additional staff and resources within the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protections Office of Labor Standards to ensure that they have the resources needed to defend and serve all workers. In addition, to bolster my commitment to Chicago workers, this budget establishes the Office of Labor Relations within the Mayor's Office, led by Deputy Mayor Bridget Early. And this office will ensure that this administration's efforts and policies align with the needs of both employee and employer while working to create a better, stronger, and safer working conditions for all of our workers. We do that in this budget. Now, another pillar of my administration will be to ensure that Chicagoans have access to the tools and services they need to lead healthy lives. And this begins with addressing the mental health needs of our community by continuing to invest more than $15 million per year in the mental health safety net system while expanding by 75% the number of Chicago Department of Public Health mental health staff working in our public clinics and within our 911 response teams. This budget, this budget also makes critical investments towards aligning our mental health network with the principles of treatment, not trauma. With more than doubling the number of staff on the CARE 911 alternate response team, Black Chicagoans are the largest group served by both CARE 911 and outpatient mental health providers, making up 43% of the total number of people in both programs. So this large and well-resourced 911 alternate response program will allow us to continue helping the people most affected by disinvestment, expanding the number of neighborhoods, that these teams serve, allowing for extended service hours into the evenings and weekends. Through this investment, through this investment, my administration is moving alternate response out of a pilot phase and making it permanent part of how we approach crisis response in the city of Chicago. With care and compassion, and not mass incarceration and traumatization. No more for our community. This budget also builds capacity for another tenet of treatment, not trauma. The reopening of additional mental health clinics by continuing funding for our existing clinics. And supporting two additional clinics within existing CDPH spaces. City Council last week also voted in support of the creation of a treatment not trauma working group, which over the course of the next year will develop and identify the best methods for expanding city provided mental health clinic services throughout communities and bringing back our capacity for fully ran city run mental health clinics. We are making our city a safer and a more compassionate and healthier place for everyone. It's that same spirit that this budget furthers my administration's commitment to environmental justice. You know, this summer we saw some of the most disastrous effects of climate change. Torrential rainfall that flooded homes on the west and south side 
southwest sides and the wildfire smoke that covered our city. And we know that not every Chicagoan and not every neighborhood feels the effects of climate change the same way. The impact of climate change is deeply steep in inequity. More than a third of the city's communities have at least one census tract that's considered environmental justice neighborhoods, which means that these neighborhoods mostly in South and West Side communities have a high concentration of industry, are bisected by major highways and are where pollution and toxic chemicals are a greater threat to the health and safety of our people. And today, I'm happy to announce that this 2024 budget reestablishes the Department of the Environment, which will coordinate our city's environmental and resiliency efforts. In addition to that investment, the FY24 budget also commits $25 million to climate initiatives, including more than $4 million in Chicago's Climate Infrastructure Grant Program, $15 million to decarbonize one to four unit homes for eligible low-income Chicagoans, and $6 million in city's composting system. And last week, lastly, we must not forget one of the most simplest but very effective climate investment that we can make, and that's our tree canopy. By the end of next year, we will have planted 55,000 new trees well on our way to our goal of 75,000. And seeking environmental justice, let us not forget about housing justice. Because making investments in affordable housing is another critical and essential focus of my administration. Housing is a human right. And this budget helps secure the right housing with more than $250 million invested in homelessness supports, including an increase in the city's flexible housing pool and operational supports for our shelter network for the unhoused. Homelessness is up 12% since 2019. And Black Chicagoans account for almost 70% of the unhoused population. It is an outrage that one quarter of renters pay more than half of their paychecks just to make rent with little left over for necessities. And it's an injustice that one in four black students in Chicago public schools experience homelessness at least once during their lives. Advocates say that there are more than 68,000 Chicagoans that are experiencing homelessness at some point throughout the year, including almost 20,000 Chicago public schools students. And that is why my administration is committed to passing the Bring Chicago Home Ordinance to take this to the voters. Bring Chicago Home will, will create a sustainable and permanent funding source to facilitate permanent supportive housing and address the problem of homelessness in our city. With this budget, we are also expanding the Department of Housing's Home Repair Program to $10 million and pairing that with more than $12 million in funding to offer critical support to low-income homeowners who are in need of repairs. Additionally, we are making the largest annual investment to date to the Home Modification Program 
administered by the Mayor's Office of People with Disabilities, ensuring that residents with disabilities can make their homes accessible. These investments will sustain the dream of home ownership for multiple generations of homeowners, stabilizing communities at risk of gentrification. One of the greatest priorities of this administration is making our city a safe place to work and live, to build a business, to buy a home and to raise a family. So this budget makes investments to increase community safety, including the establishment for the first time ever the Office of Community Safety within the Mayor's Office, led by Deputy Mayor Garen Gatewood. This new Office of Community Safety will work with vested stakeholders and communities to lead our city's full force of government, comprehensive and collaborative community safety strategy. As part of that strategy, we are investing more than $100 million in anti-violence programming, restorative justice for re-entry services, domestic violence and gender-based violence prevention and intervention, and the city's community safety coordination center. These investments will allow us to do a few things, expand our partnerships with community-based violence interrupters, support residents who return home from incarceration, and improve support systems for victims, survivors, and offenders to prevent recidivism. We gotta do it with some intelligence. And we're taking a smart, data-driven, community-centered approach to safety while also addressing the root causes of violence. I'm grateful for the City Council's confirmation of Superintendent Larry Snelling. Grateful. Because it's another, it's an, it's another important step forward in our journey to create a safer Chicago. Superintendent Snelling is a proven leader with decades of experience and the respect of his peers. He's gonna reinvigorate our commitment to constitutional policing and full consent decree compliance, which is critical, which is critical. It's critical for the healing of our communities and the relationship between the community and the police department. So together, Superintendent Stelling and I are committed to increasing the number of detectives to the Chicago Police Department to solve major crimes. 70 detectives have been promoted since I've taken office. And this budget creates 100 additional detective positions, moving us more than halfway towards the goal of 200 detectives that I made a commitment to doing during my campaign. This increased investigative capacity will allow us to hold violent offenders accountable while bringing justice and restoring confidence to impacted residents. We also understand that effective policing requires a community-based lens. One major step in that direction is the increased civilianization of our police force. We are adding just under 400 new civilian positions to CPD to provide aid and support, which will free up officers to perform the law enforcement duties for which they were trained. This budget also invests in data and technology resources as we look to evaluate and improve call time response. We will be intentional in our community safety strategy, deploying not just police officers, but the community, businesses, sister agencies, and the full force of government, because we know that true safety requires this approach. 
and every investment in youth, education, housing, mental health, and environmental justice layered together for the long term will fulfill our promise to build a better, stronger, safer Chicago. But it is going to take all of us. And one of the most important obligations that we uphold is our responsibility to deliver efficient and effective services with the greatest impact. And through strategic investments, this budget furthers our progress in the lead service line replacement program. Nine of the top 10 Chicago zip codes with the largest percentage, the largest percentages of high lead levels were neighborhoods with the majority of black and brown residents. The city has set an ambitious goal to replace all 409,000 lead service lines, the most of any US city. And we're doing this to ensure clean drinking water for every single neighborhood and resident with the priority placed in replacing lead service lines in daycare centers and black and Latinx communities. In 2024, we will invest more than $53 million to aid this effort, recommitting ourselves to safety for our most vulnerable residents and communities. And one of the best ways we can build the operational capacity in government and provide the most efficient services possible is to invest in our technology infrastructure. So today, I'm excited to announce that this budget creates a new Department of Technology and Innovation. This is long overdue. To residents and businesses who think that the city's gears churn too slowly or its processes are too cumbersome, this is a critical step in making sure that our government works for you. Better technology means we can process contracts and hire vendors quicker, giving rise to developments that help our communities thrive. And we can enable city departments to innovate and to modernize, spurring economic growth and vitality throughout our entire city. Ultimately, this is an investment in our future, a future that will lead to more accessible, enhanced, and equitable city service. Now, I'm grateful for the financial leadership of this city. It's led by our budget director, Annette Guzman. Thank you for your leadership. Our chief financial officer, Jill Jarowski. And of course, our comptroller, Chase Rawinkle. Like finding the beard. If you find the beard, you'll find Chase. But this has been an incredible team. The work that you've done to put this budget together. And with this team at the helm, we will continue to make decisions based on sound fiscal policies, including our commitment to reducing our structural budget deficit over time and meeting our pensions and our managing our debt obligation. We're gonna do both. This administration is also committed to fiscal responsibility and ensuring that we have the resources to pay for these new investments. We will not repeat the failures of the past by spending money we do not have and bankrupting our future. 
We also have relied too long on a tax structure that heavily burdens our lowest income residents and is too reliant on property taxes, fees and fines and, and rates. We know that 5%, an annual raise, if you get one, does not coincide with the property tax raises that have constantly burdened us down. Just doesn't happen that way. We also recognize that a $95 city sticker or a $100 parking ticket weighs more heavily on the family that earns 30,000 a year versus a family that earns $150,000 a year. And that is why this budget proposes expanding the city's utility billing relief program to include three flat buildings and making the administrative debt relief and clear path relief programs permanent. Because these are programs that will help working families get out of the debt and save for the future, while also managing and maintaining the city's revenue streams. In a recent study, comparing tax burdens in large cities, Chicago families earning $25,000 a year had a total tax burden of 15.4%. And for our families earning $150,000 a year, that tax burden is 11.6%. That family earning $25,000 a year is paying a tax rate that is 33% higher than the family earning $150,000 a year. We gotta do better, Chicago. We must do better. And that is why this budget holds the line on property taxes and why we will continue to work with all stakeholders to create revenue that weans us from our addiction to the regressive taxation, pushing so many of our working families out of the city of Chicago. And that is why the first step, and the first major step in that direction is to bring Chicago home. Now, we will continue to move with competency and compassion and collaboration to find other solutions. And next, I want to talk to you about the important dynamic of pensions in terms of the city and our economic and fiscal health. Our employees seek retirement security through our four pension funds. They do not participate in Social Security. Rather, they participate in the collective trust that is a pension. Unfortunately, our pensions are currently only 20% funded because of the city's regretful history of neglecting obligations to the retirement security of its workers. But I'm committed to workers and our pensioners. Early in my administration, I established a pension working group that brought together my administration, labor leaders, state partners, city council leaders, and other advocates and experts to tackle the pressing issue ahead of us, meeting our obligations with sustainable funding sources. And since 2020, the required increases in our pension contributions have risen approximately $1 billion. In this budget, we are making an additional supplemental payment of $307 million on top of our required pension payments in 2024 to ensure that we keep the unfunded liabilities within our pension funds from growing. This supplemental payment will help us move quicker to improve the financial health of our funds and lower the cost over the long term. 
And in the end, we are demonstrating our commitment to ensuring that pension funds reach a point of financial stability and our retirees receive the benefits that they have earned and deserve. In addition to investing in retirement security, in Chicago, we, are, we use municipal bonds to fund capital improvements and investments in critical infrastructure. Using bonds allows us to spread the cost of these investments over time and over the generations and generations will ultimately benefit. This year's budget includes a payment of approximately $1 billion in the principal amount of debt, which frees up our capacity for investment in priorities such as our lead service line replacement, airport modernization and other programs and so much more. And furthermore, we are distributing grants and moving the Chicago recovery plan forward, utilizing bond proceeds and American recovery plan funding to support community and neighborhood investments, to grow small businesses, to beautify streetscapes, and to invest in mental health and anti-violence programs. We are analyzing and reviewing the projects in the Chicago recovery plan to ensure that the investments are targeted to achieve measurable outcomes for our city. Responsibility and accountability are critical to ensuring the success of the plan. Now this budget and subsequent budgets inevitably hinge on the strength and resiliency of the Chicago economy. And despite macroeconomic headwinds, the outlook of our economy is strong. And in the next year, our economy will continue to be supported by both large scale and neighborhood events. My administration is committed to igniting tourism and economic vibrancy and engaging all of our neighborhoods throughout this amazing city. And so we have budgeted and we commit $2 million in funding to support neighborhood festivals, bringing funding for such events back to pre-pandemic levels to celebrate the uniqueness of every single community. In addition to large scale and neighborhood events, major developments and businesses are coming to Chicago in the years ahead. Google is investing $1 billion in the Thompson Center because its workers want to be in Chicago. That investment will not only invigorate our technology sector, but it will also anchor the revitalization of LaSalle Street for the next generation. Other businesses like Invenergy and the Campari Group continue to make investments in our downtown commercial corridors, facilitate high growth industries like clean energy in Chicago, developments like the expansion of logistics firm, which is total quality logistics, New Horizon Steel, which is the largest black owned steel company in Chicago, and the continued growth of the Fulton Market District will continue to demonstrate the resiliency of our economy. And finally, to ensure our continued growth and strength, this administration, this city will always promote, market, and praise such vital and precious assets. Our reputation of being a central rail, our air, our transportation hub, our world-class colleges and universities, and cultural amenities, our majestic lakefronts and our parks, the best workers in the world, the best food in the world, the diversity of our economy, all of these assets and more are why we can look forward to many more years of growth and vitality. Now, as I close, I am truly humbled and honored to be standing before you, presenting this budget as our first step to fulfilling promises to invest in people and align our work with my vision for a better, stronger, safer Chicago. 
As we look ahead to the next steps of this budget process and the future of our city, my administration will continue to be grounded in the principles of co-governance and collaboration. Over the next months, my office will closely work with members of this body to pass a budget that reflects our values. We will continue our community engagement efforts as part of that process, ensuring that the voices and ideas of Chicagoans are heard and adopted in our work. I wanna thank the Office of Budget Management, city department, city staff, residents, and the community partners who helped shape this effort. Let us go forth in this journey together, united by the fact that Chicago is truly the greatest city in the world, and we collectively have the power to make it even greater. This is our moment to finally have a budget that reflects the interests and the values of the people. Today, sisters and brothers, Chicago, I present to you the people's budget. Thank you. God bless you all. And God bless the greatest freaking city in the world, the city of Chicago. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more on the latest of what's been happening at City Hall, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.